Lord, 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 from the first to the last of it, delivery is passionate. The whole and not the half of it. Forecasting aftermath of it. Projectile and I'm blast away. Accurate assassin shit. Me and Quali close like Bethlehem and Nazareth. Welcome to the man. Episode 20, Timo. We've made it. We've made it. It is as big a shock to you as it is to me. Anyway, I'm Nils. I'm T-Bone. And yeah, episode 20. How did... How did how did this even happen? I don't know. It was it started on a whim, and then yeah. ended in a well. It hasn't ended. It yet. started in Tempe. Yes. And now we're in we're in the other Inner West studio. That's right. In Glebe. In Glebe. Yep. And because that's how we roll. T Bone again is like is just lavishly lounging on the couch. He's not you sitting see, up. I'm on a chaise. Lounge, he's like doing right? like a. I'm he's doing like a I'm modern a, day modern day gender fluid I'm, Lolita pose right now. <laughs> <laughs> like, if you're getting turned on. That's not my problem. Right? That's a, look, uh, this is how I live my. No life. comment. No comment. <laughs> No comment. But yo, episode twenty. I don't know. It's, it's good. We've done twenty episodes, and we've got friends starting their yeah, own podcast, exactly. right? That's Shout out to Filmographer. Yes. Um, White Mamba and Genji have started their own podcast. You yes. know White Mamba. Um, Genji, we may have spoken about mm-hmm. on the podcast, but White Mamba, you know, he's been on the show a hundred times. We talk about him all the time. He's been. He started his own podcast called Filmographer, where they review Adam Sandler movies. Specifically Adam Sandler. <laughs> Specifically Adam Sandler movies. <laughs> I can't think of anything more painful. Oh, know, he's got two, maybe that I'm I. Watch. I can't, but I, I, I know I will be on the show one yes. day, and I'm kind of terrified. Man, I hope he gives me a good one. <laughs> if, I, if I, if if I'm worthy, if I. Oh, uh, I think they'll they'll call us both on, okay, so yeah, yeah. we're doomed. But yeah, guys, check out Filmographer. If you love White Mamba, and if you listen to our show, you surely do. Yes, this is a whole 45 minutes of just White Mamba and a guy who's as equally funny as him. <laughs> so, so go for it. Um, what else has been happening? Episode 20, Filmographer. Um, we've been invited to parties left, right, and center. Know, we were at a we were at a, an inner west Redfern house party oh, last week. That was special. Also, we were at a wedding, a wedding reception. Ah, yes, yes, that's right. Where a lot of people asked us when we were getting married. And we said, as soon as it's legalized, <laughs> and then we had a lot of angry uncles and not angry, but like shocked uncles and aunties yes. running away, <laughs> stroking their beards, Indeed. going, hmm, hmm. But yeah, we, that was also oh, congrats to W. Yes. Congrats to W and Mrs. W. Um, yeah. Um, so that's that. You've probably noticed a trend in the podcast. We've been having guests on the last couple of weeks. Uh, two weeks ago, we had Suren, the comedian, Suren Germany. The comedian. Uh, last uh, episode, we had Daniel Muggleton on. Very, um, very funny. Who is headlining at the Comedy Store on the seventh of October? Oh, so, yeah, guys, check fair. him out. Support Sydney Comedy. Very, very funny guy. In fact, I think our guest today would adore Daniel Muggleton. I think so. Um, and should probably check him out. But we're keeping the trend going. Mm-hmm. We've got another guest on today. He's a friend of the show. Friend of mine. A colleague, friend of T-Bone, specifically. Yeah. He's clearly not my friend. No. <laughs> like, he's my shaking friend. his head. My friend, not your uh, friend. Everybody ends up becoming your friend. <laughs> no, I hate Neil. <laughs> <laughs> it, is, it is a consensus amongst most listeners. I haven't even said hello yet. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> Guys, we've got on the show today, Chris. Hey. What's up, Chris? Uh, you know, not that much. Just doing a podcast. Yeah, yeah. first podcast ever. Yeah. Yeah, so we're keeping up the tradition. We're going to have another guest, and today's guest is Chris. That's right. And we've yeah. got Chris in today because, well, I met Chris a couple of months ago at T-Bone's graduation party. That's we're always right. at parties. Here. That's right. Mm-hmm. Which is why we're well, recording we this on a Friday party. night. Because <laughs> um, we're going to be partying. Um, and I met him at your graduation mm-hmm. party. And, um... Yeah, we got into like some very interesting conversations, and yeah. I remember saying straight away to you, "We got to get Chris on the podcast because he's right up our alley, likes to talk about the things we like to talk about." Mm-hmm. So here he is That's right. on episode twenty. Okay. Yeah, perfect way to celebrate episode twenty. It's fantastic, momentous. Yeah, yeah. Like there it. you go. I there like you go. That's how we hold you in high esteem. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Chris. Is uh, there anything you wanted to say to the uh, the, the to the many, sixty people that many, are listening? Yeah, I was going to say many, many, and you actually give the number anyway. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Of, of the many, many listeners, um, anything you want to say about yourself? That. Uh... Uh, oh, gee, I don't. I don't know if there's really all that much to to know. Um, uh, I mean, I suppose regarding what we plan to talk about here, I, I guess what what is important is um, I studied history and philosophy at university, and um, like T Bone, uh, and from the educational field. That's right. That's, that's <laughs> a nice no, way of putting it. I've already said I'm a teacher. Okay. Right. <laughs> I couldn't remember. You can say you're I, a teacher. I'm giving him this, okay. this okay. like questioning look right now. You can say can I say that's fine. Okay. Yeah. I'm a teacher. Um, <laughs> specifically. So, and, and yeah, specifically a, a teacher of history. So, um, that certainly doesn't make me any kind of uh, expert on the things that we're going to talk about. But more so an expert um, than T-Bone and myself. Absolutely. Despite how T-Bone <laughs> may portray himself in most of these podcasts. Professor Cobra Tooth over here. I have expertise in things. I know stuff. <laughs> cool, cool. I but, too know stuff. I like stuff and things. Um, uh, which so. probably puts me on another level. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I, I mean, I, I guess I have, like, quite varied interests too mm, and mm. I, I think we'll, we might even explore a few of those yeah. as we chat but I wanted, inevitably I wanted to, yeah sorry Chris I, I wanted to hone in on one in particular um, mm. it's that time of the year we've got you know DNCs and RNCs and you know people trying to make America great again yeah. and Some, a local election a yeah local and a local election, election which you know I pay very little interest in Australian politics so I just voted green yeah. and walked away <laughs> um, but um People wanting to make America great again. People saying America's already great. Mm-hmm. We've got definitions of America that mightn't be uniform across the world. We've got even locally. Um, and it's something that I guess it, it's occurred to me more and more. Um, the older I get, um, I, I feel like Australia has maybe become a bit more hostile a place. If you, if you don't fit a certain criteria. And um, I found myself talking to you, Chris, about that hmm. for, for ages at T-Bone's party. And I was like, we've got to get this, get this guy on and talk talk about the fascinating topic that is, you know, nationalism, patriotism, tribalism even. Yeah. Um, all these isms. The isms. And um, just, uh, it's, it's a, I think it's a funny phenomenon. Yeah. It's basically the vibe I'm, I'm, I'm confessing to the world. I, 
I don't, I don't see, I'm not a particularly nationalistic person. Yourself, T-Bone? Yeah, passion I lack. <laughs> In general, Also in a nationalistic standpoint, yes. Yeah, so no Aussie, 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 oi, 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 oh, for you. That great Latin song. I want to, want to glass, <laughs> that great Latin I war cry. Want to, I want to glass people if they say it, honestly. Oh, well, that's an Australian tradition, isn't <laughs> yeah, it? <that's> <laughs> But it's it's interesting, um, Chris. Look, you know the the magic of of you know audio and stuff. Chris has actually been here for like an hour, and we've been chatting. And uh, one of the things that I you you said that really really interested me already was um, the 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 difference between um, nations and and nationalism. So bef before we get into anything, Chris, like what? Let's define nationalism. What does that even mean? Like you're you're our guy. All right. Whoa. <laughs> that, no that, pressure. That's a pressure. Um, You're easily the smartest person in this room. Don't worry. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, I think one of the issues with um, any of these concepts like nationalism is that, um, I mean, even within, well, perhaps especially within academic circles, these things get defined and redefined. And, you know, I think when people use a term like nationalism, like anything, people define it for their own purpose. Mm. Um, and that, that's possibly oh, no. necessary, yeah. um, you know, but I think sometimes people can define things in a way that is perhaps convenient for a point they want to make. Right. Um, so that can be a, a problem. So, you know, I think most people know nationalism just generally as, you know, patriotic feelings. Mm, mm, um, mm. Yes, uh, yes. You know, things relating to, to principle or mm. even... Um, something I guess more um, uh, more about what you what you do you know yes. how, how you actually mm. express um, the, the way that you act in the world what tokens um, you wear what symbols you wear yeah and yeah. and the sorts of I guess things that you do and you know like we often talk about in this country like you can do things that are un-Australian yes. for instance you know, oh, so, somebody could tell me what that means please yeah, and, and it, in, it seems to imply that there are Australian things to do, do. And, yeah right. exactly and you know I'm yet to figure out exactly what those things are yeah. as you know someone who was born here yeah. and his parents were born here and oh, Chris his grandparents is, Chris is a white here. Australian man I, I, I couldn't be whiter <laughs> whiter <laughs> yeah yeah uh, so you know and and we kind of also then get to this more i suppose perhaps extreme nationalism where we get into um what some people refer to as jingoism yes yeah you know yes. the term yes which uh, i kind of wrote down a, a, a thing for that yes please i wrote extreme patriotism especially in the form of aggressive foreign policy in order to secure perceived national interest right Okay. So, and I think there's a really important operative word there, and that is perceived. Right, perceived right. Interest, interest. And I think that's why we sometimes get shifting definitions because, yeah. you know, what one or, and it's why we get a lot of arguments in politics, particularly at the extremes, because what uh, someone on the far left um, deems or, or perceives as in the national interest is going to be really different to what someone on the, the right of politics yeah. perceives mm. as national mm. interest. So, mm. um, you know, you I mean, even even really closer to the centre, mm. you'll get Labour saying, well, it's in the national interest to have unions and to, mm. you know, protect mm. workers' rights and things mm. like that. And then on the right, you'll say, well, no, it's in the national interest to, you know, 
to, to have an open uh, market and, or a free mm. market and mm. let, let things happen the mm. way that they're going to happen. Mm. But those market forces play out. So, mm. um, so you know, that's, I think, one of the problems here is we, we have to bring... Uh, individual and group identities into it in a certain way where, where perceptions are, mm. are involved. So, mm. um, consequently you get arguments over what nationalism even is. Yes. Um, and, and in what ways it should be expressed or not expressed. Right. Do you feel just in Australia, um, this is both of you guys, um, do you feel like there's been a greater emphasis on it in the last say 10 to 15 years in Australia specifically? Like there's been a greater push towards almost like a, a, um, a schedule of things that, that are almost national, uh, patriotic or nationalistic or whatever you want to call it. Do you feel like the, the climate has changed? I mean, uh, I mean, just my thoughts. I remember a time in Australia when being patriotic about sports was about as patriotic as anyone would get. That's really interesting, yeah. <laughs> and those were times I appreciated because, you know what, supporting a sports team, fair enough. Yeah. You know, if you're going to support the Australian, support the Australian cricket team or whatever mm. team, that's okay. Mm. And you can have that passion, you can have that fervor for wanting to win. Mm. Now, you know, as far as I can see, the, the I think, the most pop, well, I suppose popular understanding is that the Howard era yeah. um, was probably when that nationalism turned nasty. Mm -hmm. And the insular nature of, of Australia started to become more of a reality. Mm. The, 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 the Lonely Island became a lot lonelier mm. once, well, I mean, again, the, the political um, manoeuvring yeah. to essentially regain power involved firing people up about the idea that, you know, that we are being invaded. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. And that's really interesting, I reckon. Mm -hmm. There's this um, term that I've been reading, and that is Hansenism. Right. right. Yeah. Fantastic. Okay, a bit, of, a bit of background, because not everybody's Australian. Oh, yeah. This yeah. Is a yeah. Who, what, what, what is Hansenism based on? Who is, okay. uh, who is Hansen... Who's Hanson? <laughs> Alright, so... So Hanson were a 90s band. Um, mm, Bob! <laughs> uh, that's some sinister shit going on. Yeah. And now political force. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they cut their hair and are now just a political, like, juggernaut <laughs> taking Pull, over Queensland. Pulling the strings. Um, but Hansonism, yeah. Yeah, so uh, that refers to a uh, politician who has returned to the spotlight, Pauline Hanson. Um, our, our red-headed friend um, uh, who would like us all to please explain. Yes. <laughs> and uh, that, that was her catch cry back in the 90s, if you're not familiar. <laughs> so she sort of brought forth this quite, um, I guess, uh, analogous with the, the, the Tea Party in the US yeah, a little bit. Yeah, very um, this yeah. very um, insular um, kind of, on the one hand, I guess protectionist but mostly protectionist about keeping things Australian we need to protect Australians and Australian mm. jobs and Australian way of life was a yeah. big thing yeah. um, and so it was all about closed borders and um, uh, and it was very much anti-refugee um, generally anti-immigration yeah. um, 
and so it was a kind of far right nationalism mm. um, that really sprung forth in the sort of mid nineties, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, and what's interesting there is, even though, so sh- she was around in the era of um, John Howard's prime ministership, mm. and uh, something that he did uh, in that time is he sort of. I suppose on the one hand recognised that she was sort of uh, a number. I was going to say that shit crazy. Yeah, a number. (laughs) Love number. What's that? She was. was, (laughs) You can tell he goes to the gym a lot. I don't believe that's a term used at the gym. But anyway, continue. continue. She she was a Snickers. did not satisfy <laughs> no, no sir um, well and what Howard did uh, very I suppose cleverly and uh, is he he sort of played on the sentiment that she herself played on mm. but he did it without being seen as being as far to the right as yeah, her yeah. so he he sort of didn't make the crazy statements himself, mm. but he sort of used them to um, to build support for his own platforms mm. at different times. Mm. Um, he was colourful with his language. He was... He, you know, um, mateship became a thing back then. Like, he, he introduced yeah. these motifs that were really not... I mean, they're, they're not really Australian or anything like that. They were more kind of just... Things that he decided to become like um, hallmarks of this neo patriotism that he was kind of putting forward. Is it what? What you reckon? That's kind yeah, of yeah. Well, uh, I yeah. actually have a little quote. Oh, oh yeah, go for it. So in uh, Howard's two thousand and one election speech, um, he said, "We will decide who comes into this country and the circumstances in which they come." Mm-hmm. Now. As uh, an isolated phrase, not really a, a big problem. I mean, I guess every country kind of does that. Mm. We, we've got mm. immigration laws everywhere in the world. We don't just let people wander in and out. Mm. Okay, fine. Um, but when you couple it with this idea of Hansenism, it kind of it takes advantage of and utilizes an existing racist sentiment. Absolutely. So yes. it's, it's about what the listener hears and mm. not about what the speaker right, says. Right, right, yeah. right. I think that's, and that's the one thing he did really well, was he manoeuvred in such a way that he made his his rhetoric sound more, well, essentially, sorry, less batshit crazy than what Hansen would say. Mm. And it actually fall into this reasonable category of, yeah. you know what, we actually should be more selective about who we choose. Yeah, mm. that's right. And... And then you've got you've got your, your your standard conservative, which will be like, well, that's actually a reasonable statement yes. being made, said by a more respectable statesman mm, as absolutely. well. Absolutely, and yeah. I can I can go with that. And mm. then you know, human rights violations ensue as a result. Yeah. But the, at the at the at the um, at the core of it, it was it seemed to most like a reasonable statement, like you yeah. were saying, exactly mm. right. Mm. There are thoughts that. Um, uh, as I sort of, you know, leading up to this, went back over some some notes and things like that from uni, because um, I'm a nerd. And, uh, <laughs> wow. the, <laughs> the, the general consensus about when this sort of, um, even though they sort of refer to it at, at times as Hansenism, mm. that, that 
it probably stems back interesting to 1988 um, because yeah but also in particular 1988 is Australia's bicentenary oh right and there were massive celebrations of the bicentenary I remember it yeah I remember it I had a commemorative coin so as do I as do I (laughs) (laughs) yeah wow (laughs) and it's interesting because that coincided with a a wave of new immigration into Australia. Like, yeah. Which I, I'm the product yeah, of. Yeah, right. Like, Absolutely. you know. 87, yeah. 86. Yeah, 86. Wow, okay. Yeah. So. Well. Yeah. So you stepped right into oh, it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We wrote that. We were all about those 200 years, man. <laughs> right in the wave. Um, well, the idea is that, you know, part of the problem of this bicentenary celebration is, in a certain sense, by being a very, I guess, um, official celebration, mm. it kind of legitimised this idea that um, that Australia is a legitimately British country. Mm. You know, right? Kind of legitimises the idea of. Invasion. Yes. Um, yes. So, uh-huh. yes. Uh-huh. yes. So that that day for Indigenous people was very much a, a, yeah. a kick in the nuts. Was it? Um, was it? Was it talked about back then? No. Like, no. 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 As far as I know, um, Indigenous groups have been using the term Invasion Day mm. for Australia Day. I, I think going back to the 70s because oh, I, right. I know that I think the tent embassy was 1972 yeah, right, or something right, like right. that great so, documentary on it have um, you seen it? no fantastic documentary okay I'm, I'm sure it's online somewhere like I'm sure you could stream it but YouTube's no, got everything really, yeah yeah I think it might be, even be free on ABC2 or something yeah probably but um, yeah the tent embassy doctor so yeah. you know I, I know that um, they were they were certainly using terms like that either invasion day or um, sometimes survival day uh, uh, which uh, is, I know it's not my place to say it but yeah not a fan of survival days yeah oh okay why it glosses over the truth and as as and that's a great sentiment that yes aboriginal people have survived but yeah. like invasion is what happened let's oh, call right. it, let's yeah, call yeah, it yeah, for yeah, what yeah, it yeah, is yeah. you know and, and survival has a as a victim tinge to it is no, like, yeah I, my I, issue isn't so much that well i mean for me it's yeah like i just i hear survival it's like you know they you know, you can survive a storm, but you can't, you know, you can't control Mother Nature. You sure as hell can control an invasion. I feel, I feel people would power. be more dismissive of something like Survival Day. Yeah, no, no. Yes, not as dismissive of something agree, like Invasion Day. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah. I kind of feel, I think, the opposite to you, Tebow. Yeah. In a certain sense, um, Invasion Day, to me, has more of a, a, a victim ring to it because it, an invasion is something that someone does to you. Yeah. Okay. Mm. a survival is something that you do in the face of something else. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. It's, there's a certain stoicism to the term survival sure. day. Yeah. Which I think enough. is what is intended to be. I guess, be yeah, I can totally portrayed. see both things. But yeah, 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 I can yeah, totally yeah. see both things. But, you know, it's not my place to say yeah, what is the matter. Yeah. But yeah. <laughs> I will always call it invasion day, though, because, I don't know, I'm very, very much... Let's have the hard conversation. Yeah, yeah. Within historical circles, calling it that is fairly commonplace, I should say. Right, Um, okay. But even still, we have, uh, I don't know if you're familiar with the term, the history wars. um, Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm unfamiliar. No, okay. So that is an an ongoing thing. You you sometimes hear people on the sort of right um, of politics saying... Um, talking about the the black armband approach to history and things like that. As in... 
that's kind of meant to be something that is derogatory to people on the left with their you know with their bleeding hearts and all that right, right, um right. and uh uh the history wars is i mean we see it in politics all the time like politicians love to get into particularly at schools the history syllabus mm. and play with things because they see themselves as part of history yeah um and so they like to make sure they get remembered by it right but um history the history wars kind of refers to that idea that you've got historians with their own political views, I suppose, mm. who are, you get those that view um, the creation of uh, colonies here in Australia as, um, and there is a John Howard quote that was repeated by Tony Abbott some years ago, yeah. that it is a glorious achievement. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> they seriously said glorious. Oh um, my God, okay. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, and we saw, I think we've seen it recently in the States as well. Didn't yeah. some senators say oh, yeah. that, um, you know, oh, right. um, the white people bought, like, you know, they've bought the most value to society right. or something? Yeah, right, like right. West, yeah, Westerners are the only ones that have contributed yeah, like, to history in any significant way. Oh, or Beacons of white light and white hope and <laughs> guide us, guide us. <laughs> oh, Trump. <laughs> Yeah, 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 that's that's so interesting. But we're we're very much focusing, mm. um, which is great, and we'll get into this further. Mm. We're very much focusing on on Australia mm. and um, how nationalism takes form over here. But I, I kind of re- we had a conversation earlier just about um, you read this really cool quote, and I hope you can read it again. The one about like nations and the difference between nations and nationalism. Oh yeah, um, we can cut <clears throat> whatever. Um, but yeah, I just thought that was super, super interesting. Yeah, so uh, I, I was doing a bit of reading up and mm. I I came across uh, some stuff that was interesting. In a certain way, uh, a challenge to my own views where I, I tend to uh, have a, a pretty decent lack of nationalist sentiment. Mm. But um, here's, here's the quote I read out um, earlier. That is, many who abhor nationalism at home, for example, enthusiastically endorse it for others. This is particularly the case when it comes to minority and oppressed peoples when the word nationalist is quickly followed by struggle. Nationalist struggles by East Timorese, West Papuans or Palestinians, for example, get the big tick of approval from many people who wouldn't be seen dead in green and gold zinc cream. Similarly, <laughs> I love that. I still scathing. can't. I still can't. Scathing. <laughs> it's trying. <laughs> Similarly, we heartily embrace Aboriginal nations or the First People nations. Uh, while those on the progressive side of politics often sidestep the dreaded N word by talking about self determination instead, such struggles make no sense if, if they are not at the same time nationalist struggles. <laughs> So, what's happening here? This, this, by the way, uh, presumably I should, I should, should quote the source yeah, of this. Attributed, yeah. This is on uh, uh, theconversation.com, and the article uh, has the title "Australia Day: Is Nationalism Really So Bad?" Um, and it's written by a uh, an academic in the Faculty of Humanities and Social Sciences at oh. La Trobe University. Oh. 
I wasn't expecting it to be an academic. Okay. Everyone on this site <laughs> is, is an academic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, this nice. is that's what this site is for. It's oh, so right. academics can report on their own research yeah, yeah, instead yeah. of having journalists do it okay. poorly for them. Which um, yeah, we'll, well, something we'll get to as well. Yeah. Excellent. <laughs> um, so I think this conflates the idea that there should be um, nations with the idea of nationalism. So I don't think that the two necessarily. Uh, have to coexist. Yeah, um, yeah. Because I, I think that, uh, to me, nations can be simply, uh, I mean, people who uh, identify culturally or, or ethnically or whatever. It, to me, nations are, in a certain sense, just, I guess, practical um, considerations. <laughs> you know? Almost like, a natural get, occurrence. Yeah, yeah, like how do, yeah. how do we get stuff done? We don't, we don't elect one body to run the world mm. because... People on this side of the world don't know what people on this side of the world need, you know, yeah, the other side yeah, of the world need. Yeah, yeah. Um, people can't see my hands. <laughs> so, uh, He's using two hands. I was. They're, they're, <laughs> one hand was on one side of the world and the other hand was on the other side. I hope you all got that. So, <laughs> um, you know, so I, I don't think that that's necessarily nationalism. Mm. Um, you know, I think nationalism more speaks to the ideology of how people think about those nations. Mm, 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 mm. So, uh, I, I think when this person is saying that you can't, on one hand, hope for, um, whether it's Palestinians or whether it's indigenous people to be able to, um, to be self determinative. Mm. Is that a word? Let's go with that. Um, uh, that doesn't necessarily mean that I wish for them to have, um, uh, some kind of nationalist ideology. Mm. But I was reading it going, or or does it? I, I don't know. Maybe it does. Maybe, maybe I am myself walking into some kind of cognitive dissonance there. I don't know. Um, I'm I'm willing to accept that I'm wrong if it's, I am. It's an interesting. It's an interesting point. I I think they're just trying to ruffle some feathers. Yeah, frankly. I think so. I think so. There's, there's a heavy shitstorm. Because the person did very easily gloss over the word struggle and yeah. Um, yeah. You know, also it's trying to like like you said earlier, like trying to compartmentalize what's happening in in Palestine to to you know wearing a flag around your neck as a cape mm. or something like that, which like <laughs> yeah. isn't which isn't really a comparative thing. I no. Feel. So yeah, I do think they were just potentially they're definitely about, different yeah. categories yeah. of so of, uh, so so nation yeah. and nationalism two very different things. Yeah. Mm. Patriotism and nationalism. Different, mm. same, just different words for the same thing? Possibly. I don't know. I, I think patriotism is probably more how your nationalism... Um, Expresses itself? Yeah, okay. manifests. Right, yeah, yeah. right, right. I mean, nationalism mm. plus beer equals patriotism. <laughs> Correct? <laughs> And, well, and backyard know. cricket. And backyard cricket. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you're probably you're probably um, uh, kind of pointing in the direction of the how a um, how you know Australia Day can turn into a um, drunken, violent mm. rabble. Mm. And is that patriotism, mm. or is that nationalism, or is that the aforementioned jingoism? jingoism. I feel it's that. That's, yeah. yeah. I feel Absolutely. it's that. Yeah. Can I uh, honest question, uh, Chris? Did you always 
Cel- I'm, I'm doing inverted commas with my mm-hmm. answer. Mm-hmm. Did you always celebrate Australia Day? I don't think I have ever celebrated Australia Day. Yeah, it's interesting. Like, when I talk to people about it, like, I mean, I'm, I'm an immigrant family, so we don't really ever celebrate Australia Day. Yeah. But, like, um, I, I wonder, like, what a typical white Australian response is to oh, Australia right. Day. And I remember my, my ex-girlfriend yeah. was actually like, no, we never did it. No, it's not we didn't do thing. stuff. Yeah, yeah. It, it, well, yeah. You know, while, you, while you're asking the question, I, my first thought is, to me, when I picture the kind of person who does celebrate Australia Day, I yeah. really just think it's kind of like the excuse for the boys to have a boys weekend, if you mm-hmm. know what I mean, to mm-hmm. go out and, mm-hmm. you know, get on the piss a little bit and mm-hmm. do their thing. And I think that's interesting because when, uh, as I will happily do in a little bit, mm. we look a little bit at, like, the sort of... Uh, uh, the the way that Australian nationalist sentiment ties into other things politically, like Anzac Day, for instance. Yes. Um, when you look through um, the sort of, I guess, the, the historical detail of Anzac Day, it's very um, male-centric. For how? Um, your women are really invisible in yeah, Anzac Day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that's very true. So... Oh, just quickly for yeah. our international guys, what, what is Anzac Day? Okay, Anzac Day is, um, it commemorates, may use a different word, mm. um, possibly celebrates, yeah. um... Lionizes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, yes, there's many adjectives, <laughs> um, and we'll use some of them later. Um, but Anzac Day is all about, um, Australia's entrance into World War One. um, uh, on... April the 25th, we uh, landed in Turkey. Now, the object of this campaign ultimately was to try to take Constantinople um, because uh, we were... Part of it was we were trying to resupply um, Russia and their only ports were in the Black Sea. um, And, of course, that's blocked by the Dardanelles, um, the the Strait of Water um, that runs through... Constantinople. Did I say Con- instead Istanbul? <laughs> uh, I was wondering why you tell, were using that. Can you tell <laughs> I'm an ancient history uh, person? So that's nobody's business. I, <laughs> I was I, wondering. I was like, should I say something? Yeah. Right now? No, I, Constantinople. I always ask people, is blah 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 still a country? <laughs> like it was two thousand years ago. Is that still a thing? No. The okay. Empire. No, yeah. Empire. is still. Oh, that's modern history. But anyway, um, yeah, yeah. So, so yeah, Anzac Day is us. so yeah. Anzac Day kind of uh, a lot of people view Anzac Day as kind of the day where Australia first became its own, created its own identity. Right. And that's interesting. And Australia has kind of built yeah. a national identity around, around the events yeah, of Anzac very Day. Because so. um, it's the first time we kind of went somewhere else and had war. Somebody and, wanted us. Yeah, that's right. Somebody needed us and we we uh, we fronted up. So um, so that's what Anzac Day is all about. And and I think the other the other strong themes that come through are the mateship concept. Yeah. Um, where I think I think that was probably one of the first times that Australia came to realize that the the empire 
was just using them as a pawn. And, yes. you know, essentially they, you know, short, the short version is they fucked up the campaign, something royal, landed on the wrong beach, it was a, it was a horrible, horrible, you know, hmm. uh, strategic We are offensive. celebrating an invasion, this, though. No, 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 no. no. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. It's <laughs> true. Another However, invasion. Yeah, another invasion on another continent. Now... Um, it's yeah, the beginning and, of Australian got, imperialism. And got, and, you know, and they were getting, you know, it was a shit invasion. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was, yeah, it was, it was, it was quite a, quite a, a colossal failure. And I think the the one thing that they celebrate from from memory from uh, from year twelve uh, uh, history was uh, the fact that <laughs> they successfully retreated without losing a single life. Yeah, uh, and ding, you know, and I think, yeah, I mean, which is which is an achievement. Sure. Um, so war is ugly, regardless. War is ugly, <laughs> yeah. I think, yeah. And I think now the Anzac tradition, the Anzac spirit, mm. uh, etc., etc., is now just used to commemorate soldiers and their sacrifice in yeah. the in the field in in the battlefield. Yeah. I remember once watching the news during Anzac Day, and they were interviewing people who had gone to Gallipoli for the what the ceremony, mm. whatever it's called, mm. and um, they had the two guys, service. the dawn service, so, and they had two guys. With um, with uh, flags tied around their necks, which mm. is like the the new Australian national uniform, <laughs> um, and like a superhero. The, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's the most terrifying thing when you're brown. <laughs> um, yeah. um, Don't worry, I'm scared of those people. Too. <laughs> but they were interviewed, and they were like, "Oh, what does this day mean for you guys?" Well, well, you know, Muslims have Mecca. Australians have Gallipoli, oh, and geez. I was just like, "Dog, are you for real?" <laughs> like, it's our, wow. it's our Hajj, essentially. It was what they would say, uh, and I was just like, "Wow, this is what it's become." Yeah. Like that, that's I guess this neo-nationalism that yes. that that Australia is infected with. Well, uh, and and then in that case, let's let's jump into um, yes. something that. Uh, this I is something that's always interested me because you, when you told me about this, I was like, "Wow, yeah, we got to talk about it." So yeah. So there are um, some historians who uh, look at ANZAC um, as being a sort of Australian civil religion, yeah. like a state religion. Wow. Such a um, great phrase. And it's it's really <laughs> cool um, the the notion of it, um, <coughs> and. So I did a little bit of study on that while I was uh, doing my history degree, and um, uh, this will be by no means exhaustive, but um, uh, someone whose work I've read a lot of is a, a historian called Ken Inglis, and um, he uh, has written, I mean, more than one book on this topic and loads of articles. Nice, uh, i got to check uh, that out. <laughs> I think he's got a book called Anzac Substitute Religion. Whoa! Yeah. Damn. Straight to the point. Yeah, yeah, he doesn't look around. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's, he's too old for that nice. shit. He's still alive, but I think he's quite old. I think he's right up in his 80s or so what a now. Beast. Yeah, he's a beast. <laughs> and uh, in one of his articles, he, he actually, at the start of it, um, uh, kind of makes a. I guess tells a little bit of his own personal story that I, I won't sort of relay or anything, but um, ultimately his schooling happened um, post-World War One. Mm. but I think he was at school mm. when World War Two started. Okay. So he was kind of right in the thick of all mm. that, and I think for him, uh, he got to see the sort of 
changes that were happening in people's attitudes to things like war and um, particularly first-hand seeing returned soldiers who, Mm. um, you know, I guess... Uh, people really bought into a lot of the World War One propaganda that was really kind of sold on uh, the idea that going away to war was really going to be this big adventure. Mm, yeah, um, yeah, and, very much so. You know, because Australians, for the most part, hadn't seen anything other than Australia. Mm. So, you know, uh, to be able to go and see the world, mm. I mean, it would have been amazing, mm. especially at that time. It's not like people travelled quickly or easily. Mm. So, um, uh and one of the, the issues in Australia is that um, we didn't have conscription, so you, mm. couldn't, you couldn't sign people up um, to go to war. They had to enlist themselves. Mm. So um, this becomes important in, in the, the story here. Mm. Um, but I guess those people who did enlist and went away to war thinking it was going to be this big adventure really came back and said, no, it wasn't really a great it's adventure. Terrible. I... Yeah. I feel fucking horrible now. Yeah, so, yeah. and I lost friends and yeah. all the rest. Yeah. So, and yeah. yeah, and limbs and the the whole bit. And yeah. so, I think people like Ken Inglis really got to see that uh, firsthand. And they still celebrated things like Empire Day back then. Oh wow! So it was like a, it was like a, a celebration of the British Empire. Yeah. Um, it was, uh, I think it was in May, like the twenty right. fourth or something, and. I'm um, so going to Google that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> the idea of Empire Day was that they called it... Um, they they said, like, the sun never sets on the on British, British Empire. Empire. Yeah. 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 So that, yeah. Was, that was kind of the, the catchphrase because it was, you know, all over the world. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, so Ken Inglis kind of sets out these um, criteria, I guess, for how the Anzac legend is a civil religion. Um, and it's interesting, when you read... Um, historical articles on this, you, you very quickly get a sense of what the writer's position is because yeah. um, some people just call it Anzac, some yeah. people call it the Anzac legend, and some people go as far as calling it the Anzac myth. And right. when you read one where they call it myth, you're like, yeah, yeah this is my guy. Good. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, well, I think the first thing is, um, oh, and for those who are uninitiated, ANZAC stands for Australian and New Zealand Army Corps. So keep in mind that um, uh, when we're looking at issues related to ANZAC Day, we can actually compare Australia and New Zealand and Mm. see how the days are different. Mm. Um, Let's do that. And when you do that, um, (laughs) what what you find is that... And I'm not sure of the reason for this precisely, but in New Zealand, when they celebrate ANZAC Day, they have a much bigger focus on the sort of tragedy of war um, oh, and they really commemorate um, people who died in war yeah. and they really focus on the human cost of war um, war is sort of reinforced for Kiwis as something to avoid yes um, which yes it is right and it undoubtedly <laughs> is it's a horrible it's horrible thing it's not a good thing to do well, you would think yeah. it would go without saying right? um, but in the Australian case it I guess it doesn't go without saying because what we do here and one of the reasons for this is that we didn't have conscription um, we celebrate everyone who fought in the war yeah not just people who died right um, and that yeah. does something very interesting the and the dead. both yeah, yeah both yeah. Okay. both the people who survived and the people who died yes so yes. what's interesting about that is it, it creates this idea that um, uh it, it sort of 
ties the uh, willingness to go away and fight into the kind of national character or spirit or whatever you yeah, want to call right. it. So yeah. um, it really becomes a hero right, worship, say that. right? Yeah. Um, uh, something that, that Ken Inglis uh, points out is that there's actually... Uh, this, this gets complicated. I'll try to make no, this easy as I can. An inverse relationship between um, the way that uh, things are represented on war memorials mm. and rates of conscription. Mm-mm. That is, Mm-mm. so because we had low rates of conscription, mm-hmm. therefore required people to volunteer to go mm-hmm. to war, mm-hmm. we have a very high proportion of war memorials in which everybody is listed mm-hmm. and not just those who died. Right. And that the, the payoff there being um, if you go to war just for turning up, you will be a national hero. That makes a war memorial a celebration. Yes, exactly. That's Psychologically, right. it's a celebration of war. It's not. Yeah. It's not, in fact, a commemoration. As opposed or... to a somber thing. Yeah. By just exactly. listing the dead. Not saying. Wow. Is, isn't it how horrible how these people listed died? It's saying, isn't it great how all these people listed went away to fight? Do you think it's a conscious decision? To do yes. That? Right. Yes, I do. <laughs> Please go into that. <laughs> so, um, well. Uh, a, a lot of it really does tie back into that conscription issue because yeah. right away Australia really just needed people to sign up and mm-hmm. go um, mm-hmm. because after the sort of first wave of people signed up to go away to war and people started to get letters home and people mm. started to realise maybe this isn't as yeah. as great as we thought it was going to be yeah, yeah, and yeah. keep in mind they referred to World War One up until World War World War Two as the, the Great, Great War. War. That's right. right. So, um, well, I, I thought that was also due to the fact that they thought that it would on, be the only war, well, the only world yeah. war. At the yeah. Time. So perhaps it was an optimistic. Yeah, thing. exactly. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, so yeah, that inverse relationship about war memorials and conscription. So yeah, if you if you go to New Zealand and go to you know. Their, their towns around there, you'll, yeah. you'll really only find people who died listed on their war memorials. Right. So, uh, I, honestly, I, I, I'm not sure whether I really think that that particular thing is um, is deliberate or not. I, I certainly think that, um, that the byproduct of that, that you end up kind of um, celebrating um, uh, people going away to fight, mm. I think that is perhaps a convenient byproduct mm, that has then yeah. been kind of pounced on yeah, later yeah, yeah, as this yeah. thing that we can go, well, actually, you know, we've kind of made all these people heroes now, so let's just go with it. Well, I mean, um, you can you know, can market you know, it as subtle you know, propaganda in yeah. some way. <laughs> I, I always wonder, like, how much propaganda is deliberate and how much is... I, I feel like uh, uh, proclaiming propaganda as being some deliberate effort to like control a population really gives the makers of propaganda a little bit too much credit. Mm-hmm. You know, like I mean, like our government could barely organise a piss up in a brewery, <laughs> and yet we think they're capable of these intricate right, right, propaganda right. campaigns. Right, I'm right. like, surely, you know. Um, but don't you think things like, say, the citizenship test, and like, you know, pushing forward notions like mateship and blah blah yeah, blah, yeah. isn't that some kind of weird propaganda thing to like Maybe. corral people behind a notion of nationhood that is sounds like it's being made up on the fly. Quite frankly, yeah, I I don't 
I just don't know how much of it is deliberate. That's all. I mean, right. it's possible that those notions of mateship may have existed even before World War One. Well, I'd argue they aren't Australian. I mean, it's... Like... Mateship. <laughs> well, I know. Mateship right? like, as a term is essentially just the... Fun. The, 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 Being you know, friends. <laughs> like, is it, yeah. like, that's how ridiculous Find a place in the world where they get yeah. fucking hate friends. You're, oh, what soda do you like? I like, oh, mateship. Like, that is that is it, right? Like, it's so ridiculous. What, what team do you support? Oh, yeah, I'm with the dogs too, all right? Mate, yeah, it's mateship. Mate like, it's ridiculous. Finding commonalities, I suppose, <laughs> is, is that... Is so, that for me, sport? I don't know, for me it feels like a propagandist tool... Propaganda, I think we attach it, like you said, to, like, notions of world war and, yeah. like, keep calm and carry on and all that kind of crap. Yeah, but like I do think that it's taking a newer form. Yeah. And it and it kind of looks like this, you know. Yeah. That, that's what I reckon. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, let, I'll, I'll give you the, the rest of the, the spiel on civil religion and, and I think some of these things will, will kind of tie back in a little bit. So, the... So, ultimately, heroism there is kind of the first... The first point. Mm-hmm. Um, the second one is kind of a, a couple of things. Uh, I personally put it down to um, uh, faith. So keep right. in mind that you know religions kind of require faith. Right, um, right, right, right. Religions yes. require people to believe in yes. something, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I find it interesting that when people talk about Anzac Day, they often talk about the Anzac spirit. Mm. Um, now, people aren't talking about like spirit is in a ghost, but a feeling. Yeah, um, I'm, yeah, I'm and, looking at that word right now in my notes. There you yeah, go. Yeah. So, <laughs> and and it, I think what's common between that and and a religion, for instance, is that it really points to some kind of uh, transcendent kind of good. Yes, you know? yes. something that you can't quite Sun nail down and define. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I think that what that allows. It allows people to tie whatever they want to that idea. Yes. Right? Which okay. is which is why you get people who say things like, I'm spiritual but not religious, right, for instance. Right, right. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. spiritual to them means whatever it personally means yeah, to yeah, them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you really can't, right. you can't say being spiritual is a bad idea because X. Because yeah. you don't even know what X is. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So, so, so it's purely on interpretation. I think so. The message is. That's so interesting. Yeah, so, I... I well, yeah, I think that there's this sort of a common message, uh, right. a common sort of stream, I guess, about Anzac Day, but people then tie their individual emotions to it. Mm. And a lot of it, it, it comes back to, you know, my grandfather fought in the yeah, war, yeah, or yeah. I support the soldiers and yeah. things like that. Yeah. I find that I support the soldiers thing a very difficult one, because, I mean, I support... Um, you know, in individuals. Yeah. But I'm not. I'm not so sure that I support soldiering. Yeah, 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 um, yeah. So I don't know. I, <laughs> the so collective. Yeah. yeah okay. Yeah. Right. yeah, yeah. Fair enough. Um, no, the, yeah. The, the verb soldiering. Yeah. Soldiering. <laughs> yeah. Um, but so so what happens though is because you sort of tie these people's kind of individual emotional ideas about the Anzac spirit into the idea. It almost kind of makes it untouchable because when you criticize it, what happens is you're now, in fact, criticizing someone's personal emotional feelings. Mm. And that's when things get interesting. 
and that's yes. that's yes. that's where people get their backs up and say, yeah, yeah. you know, but the Anzac's all about this and and you and know, my this fought in this and therefore exactly, you're and it, my it being. shuts down the yeah, whole conversation. Yeah, and you right? can't you can't you can't have a logical no. I actually the, the 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 shutdown phenomenon. I actually heard this on like an Intelligence Squared debate where a um an American guy was talking about basically sorting out the Middle East, and there was one guy going, look, it's a mess because of us. And the other guy was like, don't tell me it's that. I was there at 9-11. Like, he just went on this <laughs> yeah. tangent. Yeah. That was just had nothing to do with the topic whatsoever. And mm. he was just like, I was there, I saw the firemen going, blah, 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 blah. The guy's like, what does that have to do yeah. with the Shia Sunni problem that yes. we've been discussing for the last 15 minutes? And yes. it's just like, it becomes like this, uh, I, do they call them strawman fallacies? Yes. Or? Yeah, yeah, strawman. Yeah, 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 strawman fallacy, right? Yeah, yeah. it becomes that, where you've, like, yes. you've brought in an argument that is just like, it makes no sense, but yeah. it has some weird semblance well, I guess that's kind of a yeah. red herring in a yeah, sense. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's, ah. Oh. Bizarre. And it's, yeah. and it's purely based on personal experience. So it's basically taking a global issue and then making it about yourself. And mm, I think that's mm. fundamentally the problem. It's, it's, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Like bringing in from, from, from the Middle East situation to I was there at night. There is actually no cognitive link between... I mean, yes, you can... You can there's a thin string where there's... Sure. Yes, there were, they were, they were from Al Qaeda and Al Qaeda. The common denominator is Muslims, and yeah, we all know that's the problem, yeah, right? Yeah. yeah. Fuck off. It's, it's, Sorry, I'm not one of those people. I'm just parroting. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that was tongue in cheek. <laughs> okay, I'm gonna throw a comment in here. Good. A, a phrase. This is from one of my favorite artists, Banksy. People that wave flags don't deserve to have them. True or not true? <laughs> Yeah. Uh, <laughs> oh, gee. I don't know. I, I kind of think... Uh, what is the value of a flag? Yeah. I'm very pro people that wave flags don't deserve to have them. <laughs> the, the symbol that is... That, that seems to imply, though, that, that being able to wave a flag is some kind of privilege. And I guess as... Uh... uh how to put this as a, uh, an anti-nationalist, I suppose I don't see flag waving as necessarily a good to be deserving of anyhow. I interpreted the quote as people that wave flags are usually completely misguided. Yeah. I understand, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I understand what it's trying to say. Yeah. It's kind of like, you know, uh, the idea that, those least suited to lead are those yeah, that, yeah, that wish yeah, power. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. I get that. Um, but I, I kind of feel like uh, that seems to place uh, nationalism as the goal. Right, 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 right. right. Fair enough. Uh, and I don't think yeah. that's that's the goal anyway. Yeah, so, I don't know. Enough. Maybe that's a, a little... Mm. I don't know. It was written. Red herring itself, I don't know. But T-bone? I mean, again, I, I think I interpreted it much like you did, Nels. In the, yeah, I think I put there it was very a, There was, yeah, the, in, in the literal sense of a, a flag being, being that, that symbol that, that it is, mm. um, that it represents everything that it is to be, whatever that flag is. Mm. And you are then, I mean, I mean, pride, I suppose it comes back to the whole pride in one's nation. And... Yeah. 
from and and I think uh, you know you Nils, we've talked about this before. I'm a man without a country. Yeah, mm. yeah one yeah, station. Yeah. Like, you know, yeah. and and that that idea of waving the Australian flag, or the Sri Lankan flag, which definitely is not going to happen. Um, or any oh, what what state. what about an what about an Elam flag? Again, I've, there are mixed feelings about that, and, and no, I, okay. I I also feel that I don't, like I actually don't feel that I. And again, if we're placing value upon what that flag symbolizes, mm. Mm. I feel that I have no right to wave that flag either. Mm. Fair enough. So, so again, you're tying in the can emotion. I, can I ask why? Um, well, basically because uh, this 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 this. Um, I mean, there's the history of the situation, and then there's my involvement or my. Um, my attachment to uh, one the events that transpired and the guilt that I feel that I didn't do enough. Oh, okay. There's there's a lot there's a lot you going on. You haven't yeah. earned it or something. And yeah, okay. All right. And again, I haven't earned the right to wave that flag as much as I would like to. So so I. Yeah. And, you know, as much as you would like to. As much as I, I would like to... Well, and that's, that, that, I guess, is where my mixed emotions come in because I still have very strong feelings, feelings. Yeah, okay. about yeah. the situation mm. and yeah. what, you know, my peoples went through. Yeah. But I know for a fact that, you know, my contribution does not justify my ability to, to actually mm. wave that flag, mm. as it were. As... And that again, that is taking the the idea that that flag symbolises everything that is to be, you know, whether it be. You're taking or, a New Zealand War Memorial approach to it. Well, to some extent, to some extent, I, I again, it's um, but hmm. but at the same time, it is also placing the value of, you know, what it means to be, you know. Tamil or what it means to be mm. Australian. And are you in like are you even that being somebody who was extracted from the situation from such a young age? Yeah, mm. and, and yeah. again and that and I suppose the flag then also has ties in connection. Mm. What is your connection to that flag which symbolizes what that country stands for? Mm. Mm. There's a lot of emotion or attachment to something that you know might be a construct. Might be a construct. Yeah. Might be, um, yeah. you know, yeah, exactly. It's there's a lot of you know what is perceived. That's interesting. Being, Patriotism without a nation. Hmm. Can it exist? Well, I think that was yeah. perhaps the distinction I was trying to make earlier between yeah, yeah, the idea yeah. of nation and nationalism. Yeah, yeah. Um, because I, I I don't think that they're the same thing, mm. and I I think that that you can want for nation mm -hmm. without wanting for nationalism. Yes, word. Um, Absolutely. So, and, and perhaps that's kind of what you're expressing <laughs> yeah. there yeah. in a certain sense. Yeah. Um, Super interesting. Yeah, it's really interesting. Like, yeah. I, I, and sometimes, you know, uh, I think I've been asked the question, would you say we were genuinely invaded by a foreign foreign force. Australia. Australia. Yeah, yeah. By another nation. Yeah. 
We're... Oh, it's already happening, mate. Yeah. Sort of. <laughs> <laughs> Just ask Pauline Hanson. I preface, I preface it by saying genuine, yeah. as in a real threat. <laughs> some bullshit you've made. Oh, nicely done. Yep. So many yeah. traffic jams. So yeah. many traffic jams. Ruining the country. <laughs> That's a throwback to an old election promise. No, yeah. <laughs> Less yeah. Did Chris pick up on that? No. No, oh, he didn't? Alright. Oh, there was some guy like ages ago, some, I don't know, what, what do we call them here? Senators? Do we have senators? Yeah. Yes. This is how little I know. Yeah. Um, going well. Who was like, who was like, I follow way too much American stuff. Um, who was like, oh yeah, you know, all these immigrants coming in, they're causing traffic jams because they all have cars. Jesus. That's, this is a throwback to that. But anyway, I digress. But, Keep um, going. But, yeah. but, I, but I, I thought poor people don't drive. Layers. Somebody asked asked the question, would you die to die to defend this country <laughs> and I'm like oh, that's an interesting question I mean how imminently <laughs> in, I mean if it's like in a self-defense context <laughs> you know uh, should one's life be threatened and those around them I mean I suppose yes. I wouldn't. Yeah. I don't uh, know. Like I don't know. It's, I'd it's just be like, yo, like, oh, it's like, not out of hatred, just out of I'm not. I don't think I'm good in those situations. It's like a zombie apocalypse question. Like the emphasis on dying, it's most likely going to be in the end in death. But it is one of those things, you know. Would you would you do something to protect? You know, or you know, um, protect this nation or defend this nation, and I'm like, that's a, that's a, that's an interesting question. It's kind um, of a loaded question, though. Yeah, yeah. because because anything apart from yes will get will 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 just lead to to more like hostility. Okay, let's mind. let's flip that. Okay, yeah. fine. Will you die for this country? That that makes me uncomfortable. But I I was at uh, Aboriginal Lives Matters protest the other day. To me, that's more in a, in a greater national interest than, you know, a hypothetical. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. Mm. Well, and that article I was uh, quoting from before is mm. suggesting that to even feel as if there is such a thing as national interest, that we must on some level be nationalist. Which <laughs> I find I'm confronting. I'm pro-justice, bro. That's, yeah, what, yeah. That's, what, that's what that was. You know what yeah. I... Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 But... I, I guess to feel, um, the suggestion is to feel, I guess, anger or shame or, or any feeling about things that happen in your country. Immediately um, makes you, uh, yeah. Yeah. It, it, this must be some object to which that yeah. shame is attached, you know, um, which... Well, I think we're disproving that article. Perhaps <laughs> puts the cart before the horse a little bit, but... I don't know. Oh, okay. I just thought it was interesting reading that because it, it kind of like, it's a bit like, you know, uh, when you can't help but to, to comment on a on a, a Facebook thread or something. When oh. you, something just grabs you and you're like, oh, I just have to say something. <laughs> you know? And you know it's going to end in... in the just... amount of comments I've written where I've written a whole thing and then gone, ah, oh, no, we're not going to read that. I just delete the whole comment like, oh, right. like that. Okay, I'm okay. going to bring something up here. Um, the role of the internet in nationalism today. Mm. Um, I'm just going to read this thing out here. This yeah. is from Granta Magazine, which is such a good publication. I've got a thing on read. this too. But yeah, um, and it's called Why We're Post Fact by Peter Pomerantsev. 
And it goes like this. I'm just going to read the whole thing. I don't care. Not yeah. the first paragraph. Okay. <laughs> Technology might have more subtle influences on our relationship with the truth too. The new media with its myriad screens and streams makes reality so fragmented it becomes ungraspable, pushing us towards or allowing us to flee into virtual realities and fantasies. Fragmentation combined with the disorientations of globalization leaves people yearning for a more secure past breeding nostalgia. The 21st century is not characterized by the search of a newness, wrote the last Russian-American philologist Svetlana Boyum, but by the proliferation of nostalgias. Nostalgic nationalists and nostalgic cosmopolitans. Nostalgic environmentalists and nostalgic metrophiliacs, which is a city lover. All these people exchange pixel fire in the blogosphere. Thus Putin's internet troll army sell dreams of a restored Russian empire and Soviet Union. Trump tweets to make America great again. Mm. Brexiteers yearn for a lost England on Facebook. <laughs> while, whilst ISIS's viral snuff movies glorify a mythic caliphate. Restorative nostalgia, argued Boim, strives to rebuild a lost homeland with paranoic determination, thinks of itself as truth and tradition, obsesses over grand symbols and relinquishes critical thinking for emotional bonding. In extreme cases, it can create a phantom homeland for the sake of which one is ready to die or kill. Unreflective nostalgia can breed monsters. Wow. What do you guys think about that? Yeah, I think I'm I'm somewhat in agreement with that. Yeah. Um, I think what's interesting uh, regarding the internet and this sort of um, uh, I think it called it like a fragmenting of the truth is mm. that um, in something that we were talking about before we started recording as well that you kind of mentioned that we've created these like little tiny echo chambers everywhere. Absolutely. Yes. And um, and. I think that's so... On the one hand, you get more access to varying views mm. via the internet. And, it, uh, and there's an argument that would suggest that the internet is kind of killing religion in a certain sense. Mm. Um, but on the other hand, you also get um, people who will, I guess, only access parts of the internet that already agree with their worldview. And it's kind yeah. of... Yeah, and we all do it, and, and it, it just reinforces for us that this view exists and mm. that that kind of, uh, I guess, like legitimizes that for Absolutely. us in a certain way, yeah. uh, reinforces yeah. it. So yeah. I think the internet can do that by taking that idea but also making it global in a, mm. in a certain mm. sense. I'm, I'm very much guilty of that. I yeah. think I, I surround myself in an echo chamber of, hmm. of my beliefs and my opinions, and hmm. I have attempted to listen to the other side and rejected it straight away. Like, I'm, I'm so guilty of it hmm. as well. Hmm. How, can, can we fix it? Like, uh, should we be listening to more things that we find? For sure. Yeah? I, it, is, it is possible, but I think it does require reasonable human beings on mm. either side. Mm. And I think that's that's fundamentally the flaw in in having open conversations is that more often than not you're not dealing with somebody that is one okay, they can you can have your opinion but is willing to listen to the yeah. other opinion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. then analyze that and then work it through to then either, you know, and and be open to agreeing mm. to even if it's only parts of the argument, mm. conceding points mm. based on truths that, that may exist, yeah. and then saying, okay, but however, mm. you know, these points that I have have also some validity. Yeah. And, I mean, 
yet you know i mean obviously most often than not you'll get an agree to disagree situation hmm. but there's a lack of civility yeah. in the internet which i think yes. is the biggest mm. problem yes mm. you Big can't time. have a civil conversation mm. it's not it's almost impossible yeah, yeah. and yeah. and i don't think that you know, anyone ever changed their mind when one person expresses their view and someone else says, you're a fucking idiot, you know, <laughs> like you're such a dickhead, thinking that, you know, you don't, yeah. you don't ever read yeah. that and go, yeah. oh, come to think of it, I'm yeah. a fucking idiot, I should change my mind, yeah. you know. Yeah. Which, which begs the question, does a marketplace of ideas exist nowadays, if everybody's in just echo chambers of their own uh, thoughts? I don't, I don't really think that necessarily everybody is in echo chambers. I, I think that they're... Oh, I, I don't know if I like the term market of ideas. That mm. scares me a little bit. But, it's a very American um, <laughs> term. <laughs> yeah. Marketplace of ideas. Yeah. I, I got a thing here that might be a little bit helpful. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> uh, this uh, is from an article uh, that w- had the title What Underlies Public Prejudice Toward Asylum Seekers? Yeah. It's kind of, mm. It plays into what we're talking yeah, about. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, so... Uh, this was a, a study that was done in Australia. Uh, it was done in December 2013. Um, now, that means that at that time, I think Gillard was Prime Minister... Uh, is that right? Yeah. Is it? I think so. Seems too soon, but okay. Or Kevin was seven. Maybe... Isn't it Abbott still? Oh... Yeah, maybe it is. Okay. Oh yeah, because the election would have been that year, wouldn't yeah. it? Yeah. Oh, okay. Anyway. Do you know? Yeah. Do you know how I remember election years? Kevin 07. Seven. <laughs> and then I go three years, three choices. It's terrible. Um, That's why I was using the reference. Yeah. <laughs> so good. I'm not the only one. Um, so okay. So December 2013. Anyway, um, of the surveyed people, um, 60% of Australians um, thought that. Um, Asylum seekers needed to be treated more harshly. I thought that was interesting. Um, now, what the... Yeah, yeah. Um, the, the, we're too nice to asylum seekers. Remember, too, that at that time... Um, and this is why I think it was probably... No, yeah, okay, I know what's happening here. Abbott is in, but um, he's still very new then at that point okay. because there would have only been an election a few months before. Right. And we still kind of have... Um, you know, people didn't like Gillard's um, asylum seeker policy. Of course, mm. the, you know, those on the, the political right said that, um, you know, there were too many boats arriving mm. and people on the left didn't like it either because they were saying, well, not only are they arriving, but when they're getting here, we're, we're you know, treating them poorly. Mm. But then on the other hand, apparently 60% think that uh, they're being treated too nice. Mm. Um, <laughs> and that by being meaner to them, they'll just stop turning up. Mm. But anyhow... <laughs> Uh, I actually do have something to add. Oh, good. Yeah. Oh, basically, um, I um, I recently saw a, a documentary called Chasing Asylum. Yeah, it's meant to be really good. It is yeah. okay. the most horrifying look at actual footage taken um, on the um, in the detention centres in Nauru and the one Oh, in holy crap! And it is it is terrible. Like it is. and and the thing is, and that and this documentary alone destroys the arguments about... I mean, it, it destroys the arguments about, you know, um, uh, about, you know, the fact that they're being treated humanely. But it also reinforces, sadly, mm. the idea... And the idea that the harsher you treat them, the less chances they are 
going to actually like it's hmm. it's actually quite tragic in that by by committing human rights violations you are actually creating a deterrent which is hmm. horrible to think hmm. but in terms of the numbers that have been happening and the message getting back to you know asylum seekers it is actually working mm. and that's the worst part of it mm. all it is that um, I mean people will it, it legitimizes mm. it mm. Um, but anyway sorry well, yeah, well, that, that's where this gets to basically yeah. so uh, what happened in their research was they were able to make a link between um, higher levels of prejudice and uh, coupled with higher levels of uh, nationalist sentiment mm. Um so, uh, what they did was that in 2011, they, they went to a public place. Um, I think they listed what it was, but I can't remember what it was. But they did a public survey on Australia Day of people who were flag waving. Yeah. Literally flag waving, yeah. right? Um, and they figured out what, what percentage of people had positive or negative views yeah. of asylum seekers. Yeah. Of flag wavers, the positive views were 9.9%. Jesus. <laughs> and, and it's not all that much better, mind you, for non-flag <laughs> wavers. 24.7% yeah. uh, yeah, yeah, had yeah, positive yeah. views. But that is, you know, uh, nearly, you know, nearly, well, it's two and a half times as mm. much yeah. um, positive sentiment for the non-flag wavers. Mm. Um, but what was really interesting was... People with higher prejudice, uh, higher levels of prejudice, were more likely to overestimate the support that they have in their views from the community. Right, Like right, a projection. Right. Um, so if I'm really prejudiced, I think that everybody else thinks like me. Which certainly explains what they came up with next, and that was that. Um, uh, not only that, but um, those who had... Uh, that is, people at both extremes, very high and very low prejudice, mm. were both quite um, likely to overestimate the amount of support they had from the community. But people with higher prejudice were more pronounced in their overestimation. And uh, people who have a majority voice are more likely to be increasingly vocal about that and also less flexible in their views, mm, mm, uh, which mm. is why I think sometimes we meet people who have those extreme levels of prejudice and they will tell you about it mm, because mm. they feel, because they're projecting their views onto everyone else, they feel like everyone already agrees with them, them and yeah. therefore they feel very safe vocalising. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so what happens is it leads to an effect where um, prejudice people's influence is disproportionate to their numbers. Right, right. Um, <laughs> because people who are more prejudiced are more likely to vocalise those concerns. Yeah. And I think the flexibility thing is important too. They're less flexible about their views yeah, and therefore yeah. are more unwavering when they are offered some kind of refutation to their views. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. If there's any kind of counter-argument, they'll just dismiss it and, and yeah. say, no, I've, yeah. got, I've got the backing of, of yeah. the whole community yeah. and this is just the way it is. Yeah. And we really see that play out in politics, I think. Yeah. Um, regarding, you know, asylum seeker issues and things like that. Yeah. I think that's why I I often make the, the the connection between nationalism and extremism. I think oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it is it is just 
it is just another form of extremism. It is. It is. It isn't. You can be an extremist nationalist. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. But but I but I think I generalize to the point of, and that's why I think that's why I I find that any form of nationalism is terrifying because yes. because yeah. it can yeah. lead to yeah you know a oh, okay. mob. And we I, see it in like, Brexit's a classic example. Yeah. yeah. Politicians being assassinated. Big time. People being assaulted. I mean, what's happening here too? Yeah. yeah. No, absolutely. And and I think. That's why this uh, I have such a concern about the to- this particular topic mm, because mm. when you breed nationalism, pride you know you know pride leads to I think I'm going to quote Star Wars in a second but you know pride, <laughs> pride leads to anger, anger leads to hate, hate, leads to hate, hate. and all that. Sort of thing, right? <laughs> um, Thank you, Yoda. <laughs> it was it was a wise man. Hmm. Um, thing, <laughs> you mentioned something. Sorry. Yeah, no, no, no. You mentioned we. I think one of the things that we we haven't maybe talked about yet is just like the the preference of um, emotion over fact, and uh, it harkens back to what Chris was saying when he was talking about nationalism essentially being a abstract kind of entity hmm. to which people can bring their own experiences, etc., etc., etc. Again, I'm gonna I'm gonna do a bit more reading. Um, is Please. that cool? If I yeah. go through this up. Of course right. it is. This is again from the same article. It's your podcast, man. <laughs> <laughs> no, guess, man. Guess. <laughs> um, okay, so this is regarding the rejection of facts over emotion. Um, the same article, Granter. Um, to make matters worse, by saying that all knowledge is power, postmodernism took... This might get really jargony, so bear with me. Um, postmodernism took away the ground on which one could argue against power. Instead, it posited that because reason and intellect are forms of domination, liberation must be looked for through feelings and the body, which are revolutionary per se. Rejecting fact-based arguments in favor of emotions becomes a good in itself. We can hear the political echo of this in the thoughts of Aaron Banks, funder of the Leave EU campaign. The Remain campaign featured fact, 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 fact. It just doesn't work. You have got to connect with people emotionally. It's the Trump success. Ferrari sees the root of the problem in, philo- in philosopher's response to the rise of science in the 18th century. As science took over the interpretation of reality, philosophy became more anti-realist in order to retain a space where it could still play a role. And so the author then goes, As I try to make sense of the world I grew up and live in, a world framed in my case by Russia, the EU, UK and the US, I don't need to go quite so far back to find a time when facts mattered. I remember facts seemed to be terribly important during the Cold War. Both Soviet communists and Western democratic capitalists relied on facts to prove their ideology was right. The communists especially cooked the books, but in the end they lost because they couldn't make their case any longer. When they were caught lying, they acted outraged. It was important to be seen as accurate. Why do you think it doesn't matter anymore? Oh, Jesus. Um, I don't know, I think once you've invested in... In an ideology, when you when when that starts to crumble, I think you just get into a turtle-like defense mechanism. It's there's not much, yeah. um, mm. you know, you dig in your heels and you're like, you know, a, a classic example is is again U.S. politics, mm. Bernie supporters mm. that are still protesting mm. once. Even Bernie Sanders himself has, has conceded and given his endorsement for Hillary Clinton, they dig in their heels. And, you know, as, as 
much as I don't appreciate Sarah Silverman's comedy, comedy her mm. point that they are being ridiculous is exactly what is happening. Mm. Like, it is, it is now beyond rationality. Mm. There is no point to it anymore. Mm. And, but, but, you know, once you've invested, and it's emotion, it is purely emotion. Mm, 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 there is no intellect anymore. Mm, mm. It is, you know... Why do facts not matter? Like, why, why, why can Trump get up there and just espouse lies upon lies and upon lies and people just, uh, like, are willing to overlook it so easily? Because... I think it goes against the narrative, generally, or whatever your personal... Definitely narrative. about narrative. Narrative's, yeah. Narrative is huge. Um, I kind of, I mean, personally, I think... Facts do. Yeah, <laughs> like, so I, right? I would like to think um, they do. But, yeah. I, but I see what you're saying, that in the debate it would seem like facts don't matter. Um, I, I, don't, I don't know. Is it as simple as because people are stupid? I don't know. <laughs> I hope that's not it. You know, um, I, I remember talking to Jeremy Scale at Sydney Writers Festival two years ago. He's an um, investigative journalist. He basically broke the um, drone wars in... Sudan killing U.S. citizens. Right. And he was nominated for an Oscar for Dirty Wars, um, his film about it. And when I said to him, I go, yo, why, why isn't this a big deal? And he was like, people are just dumb. <laughs> and like, you know, his response was the exact... He's actually responsible for The Intercept. It's a really good website. You should check it out. But, okay. um, yeah, his, his defense was no different. Like, people are just so stupid. Yeah, I, I mean, it's kind of unlike me to say something that pessimistic. Um, I, I'm generally... Oh, you're a... amongst pessimists, oh, so it's all I'm, I'm a relentless optimist. Oh, yeah, Chris, yeah, yeah, Chris, Chris. yeah. Yeah, you might not pick that about me, but I actually am. Um, even, even though I will have my pessimistic moments, I, I still... Uh, I default to optimism, right. for sure. And perhaps to uh, have such a moment now... Um, I guess for me, that's, I think, why I, I think education is important. And I, mm. that's why, why I'm drawn to it. Because yeah, I, yeah. I just think um, something what you read out mentioned something about sort of uncritically accepting ideas. Yeah. And, you know, I Unchecked think... Unchecked nostalgias. Yeah. And, and when... Uh, it's really interesting for me as someone who studied a lot of ancient history because mm. I see so many precedents um, in what we do now that have, have really been happening for thousands yes, of years. Yes, I find yes. that very frustrating. Yes, I just think, surely yes, we can educate yes. ourselves out of this. Yeah, yeah. Um, maybe, maybe not. I don't know. <laughs> it's, it's really difficult. And I, I think that uh, I'm not personally opposed to... Uh, even though I see myself as being someone who is... Uh, in some way on the on the left of politics i'm sort of you know like when uh for example something uh, this is totally going off the point i suppose of what we're talking about but but it's it's analogous in some way (laughs) but you know how um there's uh potentially going to be the a a plebiscite on marriage equality Mm, coming up and there are religious groups saying well we need to repeal the rate uh the not racial discrimination but the various discrimination laws Mm. um so that we can have this debate properly Mm. which i just think is fascinating (laughs) Uh, (laughs) uh, i I don't know if you're aware of that so so they're saying that 
Because the, the discrimination laws is a thing about you can't offend yeah. groups and they're saying, well, we're probably going to say some pretty offensive things, so yeah, yeah. you better make that legal or we yeah. can't have the debate properly. Yeah. Um, and it's they're kind of trying to say, well, if you want to win it properly, then yeah. you better let us make our arguments. Yeah. Um, as dirty as they're going to be. Yeah. And in, I, I hate to say it, but I think I agree with them. Um that I, I really think that we need to be able to discuss things truthfully. And mm. I, I think that, I don't know why this is, but I feel like we've become sensitive to, um, for some reason we cannot separate talking about something mm. and promoting something. Ah, well said. Well right? said. Yeah. So I like that. Yeah. For example, the like the safe schools thing that's been in the news recently. You know, talking to kids about it being acceptable to be, you know, transgender or intersex or you know just a homosexual generally, mm. isn't saying it's not a promotion of that. Saying hey, you should be intersex or mm-hmm. homosexual. I mean, you can't promote intersex. You you're born that way. But yeah, anyway, yeah. Um, <laughs> potentially you are born homosexual also if you are I don't know but um, yeah I just I just think um, for some reason there are lots of issues about which and perhaps it is going back to that that idea of being emotionally tied to Mm. things which I guess is what Mm. what you read out it was kind of about Mm. um, uh, that you know when when we I don't know when we discuss ideas people just find it very difficult to separate um, their uh, it's really kind of uh, what's called the is-ought distinction. Mm-hmm. Um, what's that? That is that um, that something is a certain way doesn't mean that it ought to be a certain way. Mm. Um, and and people feel like discussing the reality of the world, the way that the world is, mm-hmm. is somehow an endorsement that it ought to be that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right, right. And, and I just think, what hope do we have of things ever being any different unless mm. we can acknowledge the way that things are? Ah. You know? So, um... But that also comes down to the ability to hold a mirror to your, to yourself. Yes. And yes, it does. Evaluate. And I yep. don't think... Like that, that uh, we've talked about this mm. before. The idea mm. of you know introspection mm. is not something that is is uh, people are willing to do, mm. and that is fundamentally where we are going wrong. In yeah, the... and good luck looking for it in any syllabus in no, our yeah, education absolutely. system, mm. right? Critical you won't eva- see it. Mm. It'll be titled as critical evaluation, mm. but but it's not explicit. No, not at all. It's it's not um, like. Yeah, there's there's no real emphasis on that. I mean, and what people will eventually do is just compartmentalize that to okay, I will critically evaluate my essay, but not who I am or yeah. my life or you know my thoughts or you know my what my beliefs. Yeah, um, it is that is as far as it goes. This is why we need religion in schools, guys. That's <laughs> <laughs> why we need. That's why we need philosophy in schools. There we go. There we go. No, no, no. no. On on the idea of um, religion in school, see, I'm actually and uh, uh, for for the uh, for listeners at at home or in your cars, um, we were talking about um, Richard Dawkins earlier and and whether or not he's over the top crazy. I know that this is something that Dawkins has said, and you may be a little bit surprised by this, yeah. um, and and I agree with this. And that is, I think that um, 
people actually should be taught about religions in school. And, yeah. and again, this yeah. is, comes back to that is all thing that I was yeah. talking about, yeah. right? I don't it's think that we should moment. teach religion in a promotional way, but yeah. I think that people should learn yeah. about them. Yeah, right? I agree. Um, yeah. Learn about religions yeah. because um, the reason I'm all for that is because, mm. and this kind of ties back into everything we've been talking about, I think that the best way to make someone an atheist is to have them read the Bible, right? That, that's how I became one. And, uh, and likewise, if you want to destroy any um, sense of um, national sentiment that you might have, um, go and read your country's history. Yeah. Like, you know, yeah. In, in the same way. Um, Unfiltered. Yep. Right out there. That's yeah. right. Marketplace of ideas. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. Damn it. I love how Chris hates that See? <laughs> You turned that back on me perfectly. That's, people don't do that to me. I do that to people, all right? <laughs> this is our podcast. <laughs> is, it is. It is your podcast. But Damn yeah, it. yeah, no, but like, um, I guess it's a greater debate that's happening around the world just mm. with... Um, uh, it's yo. It's a slogan, a jingoism that's being thrown around the American election as well. Yeah. Political correctness is ruining this country. Mm. Political correctness is ruining this country. Like you hear it all the time. Yeah. I don't know how that's actually strangling the economic growth of anything, but like, <laughs> yeah. um, but, but 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 I think really it's more a case of just being a decent human being, mm. and that is the problem. They're mm. not being decent human beings to each other. Yeah. You know, it's you know, it's not about political correctness. If you're gonna be a dick, like that's exactly right. Like you know, if you're gonna be a dick, I shouldn't have to. Be, I shouldn't have to just sit there and cop it. Hmm. I should be able to respond Pe- and say Pe- you're being yeah. a dick. Yeah, and then, and then their yeah. response is you're being politically correct. Yeah, no, no, but you're still being a dick, and yeah. that's what people you think accept. being politically correct is. I can't use racial slurs, and yeah. that's that's the extent of their <laughs> really understanding. Yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. Even that doesn't stop them. Like, yeah, no, no, no. Exactly. Oh, yeah. That requires some self-control, which they also lack. But, you know, yeah. it's just, yeah, it's just, I'd, like, and that, I think, circles back to the whole idea of having a civil conversation. Mm-hmm. How do you have a constructive argument without it turning into an insult first? Why, why? Okay. Oh, you go, Chris, because yeah. I knew you had oh, something. Oh, yeah. I was going to say, um, I'm trying to remember who the philosopher is. I think it's Daniel Dennett. Um uh, who is just a um, juggernaut of Never heard the name, but going to look it up well, now. Well, please do. Yeah, um, writing it down. I'm pretty sure it's Daniel Dennett who says that um, ultimately the best thing that can happen when he's in a conversation with someone is that he can be wrong. Mm. Oh, yeah. Right? Because oh, he's yeah. saying, you know, if someone can show me how I'm wrong, then I can I can actually fix something about my thinking and... And I am better for it. Yeah, um, yeah. So I'm hoping whenever I have a conversation with anybody mm. to actually find the ways in which I'm wrong rather than to find the ways in which I am right. Mm. Yeah. Is he a teacher by any chance? Because that is no, very... No, oh, okay, so well, I think he like, like teaches in university. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, yeah, right. yeah. But, but, but that is very, very much one of the philosophies that mm. we try to, yeah. to imbibe in our students is that it is, it is a good thing to be wrong because mm. you are learning from that experience mm. and you are then building your knowledge base mm. yes. to then, you know, to, and it will eventually shape, you know, your overall worldview. So, mm. 
Yeah, we've been going on for a while. Oh, doesn't matter. Um, <laughs> but, but that's really what it comes down to. Like, totally lost being wrong <laughs> is a good thing. <laughs> Making mistakes are a good thing. All of that sort yeah. of stuff. That's, yeah. that's what should be, should be encouraged. Obviously, yeah. you need to learn from them. Yes. But that, <laughs> yeah. Well, that's another one. Making multiple mistakes yeah. you know, over and over again is an issue. But mm. all getting the thing wrong and just kind of digging your heels in, mm. that's, where thing, that's where things go wrong. But, mm. but yeah, no, I completely agree with that. Yeah. I, I don't really know sort of why. I don't know why that's the case that people find that so difficult exactly. Mm. I'm, I'm not sure I can, can offer anything on that. But I mean, you know, just the nature of... People yeah. are just so invested in things that you can't have them shaken. I'm, in, I'm invested in being left-wing. But, but it, it's so odd to me that... When you're I, wrong. <laughs> like, from, from the day that we are born... Mm. Right, we thrive on learning. Yes, and and in some respects, we do thrive on being wrong. In that, you know, when we whatever smash our head on the the bench when we're when we're only that tall, mm. we learn to be a little bit more careful. Mm. Um, eventually, eventually. Um, some some of us, <laughs> uh, you know, we we thrive on that kind of learning, mm. and yet at some point we sort of ditch that in favour of, like, something that is more, um, uh, I need a better word, but, like, stationary, more mm. fixed mm. about us that, you know, we get to this point that we, we are whatever we are mm. and we don't wish for that That's thing right. to change or be challenged. That knowledge base is now concreted somehow. Yeah. And, and any new information just bounces off. Yes. Because... Because I know what I know, and that's all I need to know, and yeah. that's it. And it's odd to me that that happens just as a you know a general human phenomenon. It's mm. odd to me that that happens in the face of the fact that we have just spent many years thriving on on this learning, mm. and then we kind of spurn it at some point. Mm. I don't know why that happens. But... I mean, and again, to bring it back to teaching, it's the idea of like you know, you know, some parents will say, "Why are you teaching my child this?" Whether it be you know, you know ideas of contraception or mm. um you know or how vaccines work mm. yeah and all of a sudden it's a threat to the fact that whatever their stance or belief or understanding is mm. on that topic yes mm. is either being challenged or yes. they or the fact that we know more than them which mm. usually is mm. the case and then all of a sudden they're like okay i fear for my child learning this because I, this is not what i believe this mm. is not what i understand the mm. world to be and that's yes. it. We're done. Yes. And that is so dangerous. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I know the, the response, I think, that I, I tend to think of there is that if if these things that I'm teaching are so horrible, then your child will be able to assess that and exactly. reject my ideas if they wish. Yeah, you know? yeah exactly. Um, yeah, but, but, but why give them the option? Yeah, yeah and right? And that, that is the problem. It's actually about... They're, they're, they're pushing a more ignorant... Like, they want to be kept in the dark. It's yeah. control. It's yeah. all about control. I think yeah. that, that also... The, the idea of ignorance, you know, allows for control. Yes. Which is what nationalism is. <laughs> yeah. Circle, yeah, I know. I was kind of feeling like this could somehow tie back in somewhere. Circle, baby. Well, I, I do see it as a means of control. I've always yeah. seen mm. it as, as that. As, a, as, as an infection that spreads so that people attach themselves to it and then bang... I can um, control people this way. Yeah, and if I could... I don't know how long we've been no, going, but if I, no, if I could extend this no, no, a little no, no, further, no, no. Yeah. Just, just thinking back on that idea of of, um, 
of, of control and, and ideology mm. uh, to sort of go back to that civil religion point. Yes. Um, one of the interesting things, uh, something that ruffled the feathers um, of religious people after um, the creation of the RSL, that's the uh, Returned Servicemen's League, yeah. um, which was an organisation that was actually... Uh, created in order to provide services to returned soldiers mm-hmm. after um, World War One, and uh, for anyone who doesn't know, they do this sort of uh, recitation um, at at noon. Uh, yes. That is this idea that you sort of, um, I guess, instill reverence for um, the, your returned soldiers, your ANZACs. Mm. Um, there's a particular part of it um, that uh, says, and I wrote it down exactly, but now I can't see where I wrote it down, but it says something like, um, at the going down of the sun, we will remember them, um, and that um, they will not grow old like uh, those of us that remain will grow old. Age will not weary them. There's, there's, there's that phrase. Um, and... The reason that ruffled feathers at the time is that um, that is kind of providing them with this sort of afterlife, this immortality, mm. right? Um, and Anglicans in particular were very perturbed by this yeah. um, because they were sort of saying, no, that's our shtick. Yeah. You can't have it. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and so they didn't really um, like that. Mm. And... Was it was it the concept of immortalizing mere mortals, as it were, or just that that had no, and it, without a religious context? Like it is that. Uh, I think that probably for religious folks, it was that that was I suppose something that only a, a god can provide. Right. Yes. Um, and and that's yeah. one of the reasons that this is looked at as sort of a replacement religion. Right. right. Um, that's funny how back then that distinction is made, whilst nowadays I feel they're so enmeshed. Religion and, like, patriotism. And yeah. Especially in the States. Mm. I don't know how much Maybe if you can't beat them, you join yeah, them. Yeah. <laughs> um, they're just so kind of intertwined. But like, it's yeah. sort of interesting that, um, you know, that kind of notion of um, heroism that's built into the whole Anzac religion. Mm, mm. It both defines the idea of heroism and they're big on um, sacrifice as well. Uh, mm. and you'll find that there's a, in the Hyde Park Memorial in Sydney, there's actually a sculpture that's called Sacrifice oh, and it's got right. massive Christian symbology, right, right, uh, right, symbolism right. all over it. Like right. the, the soldier who's in the, the sculpture is sort of slumped over a shield yeah. and... Yeah. Um, because he's kind of laying back and his arms are oh! out, he's in a Jesus cross position. Yeah, it's huge. Um, but uh, but the uh, what's so interesting is that you know things like the last post yeah. um, and the fact that that's recited every day at noon in, yeah. in every RSL, yeah. um, coupled with the whole Anzac thing, it, it actually defines the idea of heroism and sacrifice, and then it places itself at the cent- ah, as the central locus of that ah, ideology. Yeah, 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 um, yeah. And so... It that becomes is, church-like. It is. It, <laughs> it absolutely is like that. Yeah. And, and in fact, that was one of the other things that Anglicans were really perturbed about at yeah. the time. That was that um, people were, after the war, 
really um, uh, recognizing days like um, Anzac Day more readily than they were, you know, Easter, ah. for instance. Um, it, it, it really did become a replacement for what go. people had been doing religiously up until then. It's almost like you can calculate the jump off where they both kind of started sleeping with each other the whole time. Yeah, life, yeah, you know? it's like, very much like that. Yeah. <laughs> does, it, does it spring from a disillusionment of, of faith <clears throat> and then latching on to something else? Or creating something else from something that may not have... I think it goes back to that emotions thing. I yeah, think people at, yeah. you know, immediately after the war were so emotional about it mm. that the, the it, it's not so much that people went away from religion as they went toward um, yeah. nationalism yeah. In, in that there was just such an emotional connection that it just, yeah. it just dwarfed people's feelings, mm. their, their emotional connection towards their, their religious ideologies. Yeah. Um, so pretty interesting I reckon very interesting Um, very interesting um, the slight aside and I I don't know if you'll you'll find this all that relevant but just thinking about the idea of there being like you know ancient precedent for these things as well yeah um, as um, Christians started to pop up in the ancient world yeah um, so you know Post Jesus, sort of getting into the late um, first century AD into the early second century AD, mm. one of the things that had happened back then was um, keep in mind that Romans had you know gods for everything, mm. um, and there were gods that were particularly worshipped by um, the military, mm. and so it was. And one of the things that was uh, mandatory at mm. that point, because emperors took on this sort of godlike status, you had to worship the emperor. Mm. And that was something that all soldiers were, in fact, required to do. They mm. had to sacrifice to mm. the emperor and worship the, the emperor. Mm. And uh, as Christians started to grow in number mm. and they were present in the Roman military, mm. um, one of the things that happened was that there were... It just so happened that before a, a, a sort of a campaign that they had, there were a lot of Christians who said, well, look, we're Christians, we only worship this one God, uh, yeah, yeah. and we refuse to sacrifice to the emperor. Yeah. They were punished, um, and, you know, fairly severely, mm. but what happened is that the Romans lost this particular battle. Yeah. And they were like being superstitious uh, folks yeah. well you guys <laughs> didn't um, sacrifice to the emperor, yeah, so yeah, we're yeah. going to blame it on you. And that yeah. was the start of what were what are now called the Great Persecution, right, um, or the Great right. Persecutions, because yeah, they happened more yeah. than once. And so yeah. they, they basically made laws that outlawed Christianity, and yeah. you were allowed to go and kill Christians, and, yeah. and all of that. Lions and all that. Yeah. Although I think that may be a misnomer. What's that? Lions? To, yeah, yeah, yeah. Lions. That's, that's yeah. legit. That was happening. Okay. Daniel. Daniel? Daniel was thrown to the well St. Daniel right oh one of them anyway and then he became friends with the lions and he became a saint (laughs) is Daniel in the room with us now (laughs) she's right behind (laughs) apparently apparently Um, so you know that's one of those mistakes that I feel like we're we're remaking um, Ah. when when we join uh, you know religion and and military history and Patriotism mm. all together mm. creates problems. Mm. 
So, so interesting. I've learned a lot today. How about you, Timo? Absolutely. That's, this has been a really good This story. has been a really, really good. Thanks so much for coming yeah. on, Chris. Man, my pleasure. I think we're going to have to have him on again and maybe talk about some other shit. Crazy AI stuff. Oh, <laughs> yeah, we didn't even get to that, did we? Yeah, yeah, we're talking about AI about for sure. Yeah, but, um, yo, one of the, one of definitely, I think we've all gotten an education today. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but you know, it's it's a nice it's a nice point to maybe tie things up, and yeah. I know you guys want more of Chris because we're definitely going to have more. Well, yeah. There's def- plenty of me to go. Over. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, this, this really not. I'm quite smart. <laughs> <laughs> He's only one man. Um, but yeah, guys, look. Um, if you like the podcast, write in. If you disagreed mm, with please. some of the stuff yo yes. feel yeah. free to email us in we'll get it to Chris we'll talk to him about it we'll yeah, send yeah, him yeah, on everything um, this might be us taking that first step to hear other opinions mm. in this marketplace of ideas yeah, <laughs> <laughs> maybe that's the name of the podcast potential <laughs> just to rub salt into the <laughs> yeah. but yo Chris thanks so much for coming Thank on you so my much. Um, exactly. you, oh, yeah. I was actually going to say do you have anything to plug in here <laughs> Yeah, anything to no, play? I don't have shit going on. <laughs> I just work and nerd it up all the time. Fair enough. Nothing, nothing. nothing, nothing. nothing. Right, I don't do any of that. Yeah, you should. Still I'd, read it. I'd read it. I'd read it. Man, yeah. thanks. Yeah, I'd read it. <laughs> Maybe I will. Yeah. Um, okay, so. And you're going to call it Marketplace. Like <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Ma- <laughs> Ideas Co-op. <laughs> <laughs> But you can find us at themincepodcast at gmail.com. We're on SoundCloud. Just look for The Mince Podcast. We're on Facebook. Like our page. Not many people do. Yeah. More people listen to the podcast than like the page. So there's a there's a, there's a chasm of difference there. Let's make it up. Um, also, ratings are dropping. What's on, your deal, people. guys? Come on. Come on. We're bringing in guests every Jeez. week. Weeks. We're blowing, in, blowing your minds we here. We expect you to be promoting this. Yeah, exactly. Sharing it with your friends. Yeah, what's going on, Come people? On, people. <laughs> Highly disappointing. Seriously. We do this for the rating. That's we, right. What part of we received very little positive reinforcement <laughs> in is, our lives? This don't is you the understand? the only validation we received. Exactly. We more, right? Exactly. <laughs> it's a Friday listen. night, people. Friday <laughs> night. Sacrifice. For yeah. Them. Even though we didn't have much going on. <laughs> sacrifice. For them. Oh, guys. <laughs> Start, start listening again. Yeah, anyway, um, you They're can find me. insecure. Get any idea? <laughs> and the other thing I just realized is by telling people to listen, they would need to listen to get the message to listen. Mm. Well, they will. I want to see our ratings go up next That's episode. Right. Share this right. out, people. Yeah. Whoever um, does listen. You can find me at the opening salvo, Instagram, Twitter, and... What's the other one? Snapchat. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. I'm uh, DJ underscore cashless on Instagram and Twitter. Anyway, that's it from us. Thanks for coming in, Chris. My pleasure. Alright. Take it easy, guys. Tell them what's up, T-Bone. Please invite us to your parties. Please invite us to your parties. Please. Alright, see ya. One, two, three. Most heavens are live quality. We came to rock it on to the tip top. Best alliance in hip hop. Get on to the tip top
Best alliance in hip hop. Why? Oh, oh, a sex.